Our songs are designed to challenge us, to edify us, to encourage us. They're to glorify God, praise Him, remind ourselves of who we are, why we are who we are, what makes it possible for us to be who we are, and then to be about the task that God has given to us. So let me live close to Him each day. It's a challenge that we have, it's a blessing that we can enjoy. And I hope that is ours, that we will but do the will that God has given to us. Paul, in writing to the Romans in the first chapter, starting in verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation. For to everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek, for in it, The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, The just shall live by faith. For the the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since creation, for since the creation of the world, his, invis- his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and in their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image made like corruptible man, in birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul well describes the world of his day, which well describes the world of our day. Describes man down through the centuries. The foolishness of man in believing that they can ignore the evidence that there is a God, that they can ignore the evidence that there is a communication that God has with man, and that they can do or choose to worship whatever it is that they choose to worship, however they choose to worship, and there are no consequences for making such a choice. We live in a world where there are those who want to claim that there is no God. Or if there is, I always want to know why he has not revealed himself more plainly or more openly than he has. And I've said so many times before, I'm not sure what man wants God to do to reveal himself more plainly than he has. And if he has, and he already has, and if they would not believe it, 
then they would not believe it was a special thing shown to them that God is. We do not believe the evidence that has been given to us. There's nothing else that can be used to convince us that God is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And they wonder why he has spoken only through that ancient book that we call the Bible. That ancient book called the Bible is for all of mankind, and it has been carried into all of the world, and it's been translated into so many of the languages that are available today. But man chooses not to. But I do contend that God has made himself known. He has spoken in various ways, in addition to the book that is far from being outdated. And he's spoken quite loudly to those who are willing to listen. You know, there's none so blind as those who will not see. We don't want to see the evidence. We're not going to see it. Regardless of how it's presented, regardless of the truth of it, regardless of how foolish their belief is shown to be, they do not want to see the truth. They're not going to see it. And it takes time. And since we were all in that category at one time, we know that we can change. But it comes from a desire to recognize one is that we're not alone. One of it is that we're, we're, we're not in control of anything. And two is we do have a God who has so loved us that he's cared and watched over us. He has his voice in creation. Again, we know that. We go back to the book of Proverbs, or the book of Psalms, excuse me. In Psalms 19, I know one and two, but I want to use three and four, so I have to go and look those up. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmaments show his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard, their voice being heavens and the firmaments of this earth that show forth God's handiwork. There's no speech or language that their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. His voice has been heard. But again, many have chosen not to listen to it. We read in Romans 1, 19 and 20. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. 
Creation says God exists. All you have to do is look and observe. There have been many of those down through time who have denied the existence of God, who over time have come to at least acknowledge that there is a supreme being and that that supreme being has created a world in which we live. Some of them are not yet ready to acknowledge that that supreme being is the living God and that supreme being does care for the world that he has created and that he is in control of. The voice of his creation tells you that he is. But how well do we listen to what he is saying? Do we take time to consider the wonders of the universe? The psalmist took time to contemplate them. Back in Psalm 8, and in verse 3, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, and the moon and the stars which you have ordained, then 4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you visit him? When I consider the heavens, the work of his fingers, how well do we listen? Again, we've talked, we're doing on Wednesday night and studying Genesis, the book of Genesis. How can you not perceive that there is a God by what he's given to us? To hear the explanations that are given is just foolish. And again, they do not stand up to the evidence that God has presented for us. Over in Psalm 104. Verse 24 and 25. O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you've made them all. For the earth is full of your possessions. This great and wide sea, in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. The earth is full of his possessions. He's created us. He's designed us. He's designed the earth, the universe, designed man, designed every living thing that creeps upon the face of this earth. And it's amazing if one, how well do we listen to that? How well do we look and observe and catch? And how often do we stand in awe of the one who had made it all possible? Over in Psalm 139, down at verse 14. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. How well do we listen? How well do we believe and understand how marvelous his works are? 
and how we are fearfully and wonderfully made. This look at again that human body that you have. Just contemplate it from time to time. And see how it's designed, how it's put together, how it functions, how the parts contribute to one another. And now we're reminded, you know, that they are so closely united and knit together. How many pieces are in that little finger? How many muscles and cells and and everything else that are involved and how compact they are together just in the finger? Marvelously created, designed to do its function. The body is designed to function as one. And it's a marvel how that works. We take it for granted. And we forget sometimes. Go back and look at small babies. Look how they have to learn to begin to move about. And how they begin to realize that when they move about that they can do a few more things. And it's fun to watch them when they reach the point where they can get up and walk. Then it's fun trying to catch them once they get that one figured out. But I'm simply saying, how well do we listen to the evidence that God has presented to us? Well, we all know that. We all believe that. We all take that for granted. We need to think and remind ourselves that as we are reaching out to those around us, just consider what you can see with the physical eye, let alone with the spiritual eye. Through the intelligent design of the universe, God says, I exist. Do we listen? If we open our eyes to the world around us, we will say, I believe. I believe it's not mere chance. I believe that there is a designer. And it's not just that there is a designer. I believe that there is a designer that cares beyond my comprehension to that which he has designed. Especially the human being that he has designed. Created us to worship him. And at times there are those that choose to worship the creature rather than the creator. So interesting as you think about it, I don't know how much so it is today as it was years ago, of how many people could tell you what their horoscope is what sign they were born under, and how they were read to see how the movement of the stars would direct their lives. And I tell many of them, I said, that's just plain foolish. Why would you look to the stars to direct how you are to live when you won't look to the Creator who made the stars? Uh, why not look to the Creator first of all, you know, first of all, and see what, how he has, what He has done? We get into the, the foolishness and a life that we sometimes live along the way. God speaks loudly through his word. Paul again writing to the Romans in that 10th chapter. So faith comes by hearing, verse 17, and hearing by the word of God. But I say, have they not heard? 
Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth. God has spoken through his word. Man is the one who has chosen not to listen to it. Man is the, is the one who has chosen to suppress it. Man is the one who has chosen to try to destroy it. But his word has gone forth into all the world. And that's a interesting study if you would choose to even follow through on that. Just to see the process that was involved for the word of God to be able to be spread into all the world in the various languages that it is spread in. To look at that early history, to see the things that were involved in the persecution against it, the desire to burn Bibles, to try to remove the word of God. His word has gone forth. They have heard. There is a fulfillment of prophecies from the Old Testament and into the New Testament as well. Prophets of old often ask, to what time frame are we talking? And they were told for them at times, it was not for them, it was for a later time. But the prophecies, there is serious doubt in the minds of the intellectual people in the world today that the book of Daniel, for example, could not possibly have been written in the time frame in which Daniel lived. The reason because of the accuracy of what Daniel wrote. The naming of kingdoms that have not yet come into existence. Naming kings that have not yet been born. Describing the history of how it would unfold and who would overtake whom and when that would take place. To say there's no way, there's no way a human being could do that. And from that point they're correct. No way a human being can do that. But since Daniel was written in the time frame that it was, and if no human being could direct that, have that information, the only possible solution is that God gave that information to Daniel. He did write when he said he wrote. He did live in the time frame that he lived. But he was able to make predictions. Again, it's interesting, again, that he would talk about four kingdoms and he would name three of them by name before they ever came into existence. Name them. And name the kings. Name Cyrus. 150 years before Cyrus was ever born. Call him by name. And I've often thought as I talk to people, I said, you know, when Cyrus' parents had the, the baby boy, I'm, I'm sure that what went through their mind is, you know, we read a prophecy somewhere not in our land, but with another land, with another language. And they said there was going to be one who's going to be king, and his, he would be named Cyrus. So we don't have a choice. We have to name him Cyrus. That even make sense. But how God, because he has all knowledge, can name the, the name of the king 150 years before he was born. Again, it shows. What is it showing? God has created. God sustains this world. God is in control of this world. I will bring kingdoms to rise and I will bring kingdoms to fall. I will bring kings into power and I will take them out of power. He's the one that's in control. 
lesson sometimes we as Christians need to have an understanding of. He's the one that's in control. Ours is to petition him that his will would be done. And his will will be done. Sometimes we just mix up what I want to see him to do mixed up with what he wants to have done. And I have to work with those. I don't know about you, but I have to kind of work to get those in line with each other. Because I think of the, the positive side of the physical world in which I live, and I enjoy that, and so that's what I want to see be preserved. And that's not what really matters. I'm losing the physical life. I already know that. I do not want to lose the spiritual life. So I need to keep the focus where it needs to be. But he speaks through his word, through the prophecies that he has given. He has given us the evidence that we have. The marvelous things that have been unfolded. The things that have been denied through the centuries by man and those who have worked in the uncovering artifacts in the Middle East. But every time they've dug and every time they've uncovered They've only confirmed what the Word of God has already said. In fact, those who do the archaeology use the Bible to point them in a direction where certain cities would be found. And when they've used the Bible and calculated the distance and so forth and dug down through several hundred feet of sand, they have found the cities that the Bible had already talked about. Interesting. How well do we listen to the evidence that God has provided for us? These things were written, John reminds us, in John 20, verses 30 and 31, that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing on him, that we might have life through his name. These things were written that you might believe that Jesus indeed is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And believing on that, biblical definition of belief, not the world, the religious world definition of belief, just say Jesus and you're saved. You don't have to worry about it. But belief requires action, a response. If I believe Jesus is God, if I believe he died on the cross, then I need to be willing to do what he says. And why would I call him Lord and Master if I'm not going to do what he says? Luke 6, 46. So if I do believe, that's what it's designed for, that I might believe. To take time to read the Word of God. To be like the Bereans in Acts 17 and verse 11. Who searched the Scriptures daily to make sure that what was being taught to them was so. The Scriptures they had was the Old Testament. That's what they were searching and looking for. What were the prophets saying? What time frame were the prophets indicating? What was going to take place when this began to unfold? To make sure that what they were hearing was the light of the word of God and that they needed to have an obligation to respond to it. You read Psalm 119. There's very, there's very seldom is there a verse in Psalm 119 that does not have reference to the word of God. To be included in the next verse, or the, you know, but it's, it's in there. It's full of the Word of God. How beautiful it is. How precious it is. How it makes one wise. It gives us salvation. It helps us to learn what we need to do to hate every false way. To love the truth and to cherish the truth. 
Again, it is along the song. But it deals this deals with a child of God and the Word of God. That's why it's important for us to look at it. Spend some time with it. Find those verses that mean something to you and cherish those. But take time to read all of it as well from time to time. God speaks loudly, specifically through his son, Jesus. This is whom God has sent. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It's always interesting to, to meditate or to dwell on that for a little while. That audible voice out of heaven. And how man has denied that voice. Unimaginable. That voice was heard not by the heathens in some distant country. That voice was heard in the land of the Jews and in the city of Jerusalem where God had caused his name to dwell. It was filled with people who claimed to be God's children, who claimed to be the children of Abraham. And yet they denied how God spoke through his son. This is my beloved son, the father said. Hear ye him. Listen to him. And how many have chosen not to? Oh, they make some acknowledgement that he lived. They make some acknowledgement that he gave us directions. But they're not willing to do the investigation to see what it is that he's really said. And that applies to each of us. We need to be willing to go back and to see what it is that God would have us to do. Do we listen? Jesus said he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through him. In John 14 and verse 6. He is the way. How can I say he is the way when I will not follow him in what he says to do? He's given us what we need. He speaks very loudly through us. The world has not been the same since Jesus died on that cross and was raised again that third day. The world has not been the same. Society has not been the same. That life, that death, that resurrection that many will deny, but that life and that death and that resurrection has permeated all of society down through time. Do we listen? Are we willing to follow what it is that he would have us to do? And God does speak loudly through his people. We're his people. He speaks to the world through us. So I've often said again that everything that the world desires, everything that the world legislates, Everything that the world tries to enforce into our society to bring peace among one another is found in Jesus Christ. You cannot pass laws for us to love one another. 
cannot pass laws to tell us that we must respect one another, cannot pass laws to say that we ought to and should be servants of one another. But all of that that we need is given to us through Christ. We have in him what the world is looking for but cannot find, looking in the wrong place. Again, how many laws are on our books that talks about our responsibility, our obligation to one another in various forms down through time? How many of those laws have been rescinded? How many of those laws have been rewritten? All of that to say, we have what we need. But we're his people. If we love one another, as Christ has loved us, therein lies that challenge, is it not? Of loving one another as Christ has loved us, that he gave himself, that he became that servant. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Took on the form of a servant, was obedient to point, obedient to death, yea, to even death on the cross. That's love. That's how it's described. I mentioned this morning, it's hard for me to read John 13. It really is. Just trying to imagine the one who created the stars, or involved in the creation of the stars, the universe, the creation of man, girding himself with a towel without a spoken word, and humbly washed the feet of his disciples. Those who do the foot washing as a worship service or those who do the foot washing as something else have missed the point. He didn't wash one pair of feet. He washed all of their feet. He washed the feet of Judas, the one that he knew was going to betray him. He did the job of the lowliest of servants the King of kings and the Lord of lords that did the job of the lowliest of servants. And if you read the text around there, you find out the reason why. He sent his disciples into Jerusalem to prepare for the Passover, which they did at the, the Holy Feast for the Jews. They made preparation. But as you read in the text, they prepared everything except the one who would wash the feet. That was the lowliest job. And the reason they didn't prepare for that job is because even then, after three, three and a half years, even then they were still arguing with themselves as to which one of them was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They were fighting as to who was going to be the top dog. And they completely forgot what Jesus came to do. He said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. And if I could serve, so can you. And they didn't catch that. And many of his people don't catch that today. But he speaks loudly through his people. The question again, how well do we listen? How well do we take to heart? what he said to us in, our, in his words of what it is that we should do. What would you have me to do? And see if one in need, help them. You have enemies, pray for them. 
They persecute you, they persecuted him. Do good for him. If he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him drink. You do what the Savior did. You may get the same response that the Savior got. They persecuted him, they put him to death. But he did the will of the Father. And that is what's being asked of us. How well do we believe God has spoken? That this is our job and that we're willing to follow through. How well do we listen? That I want to be that servant of God and serve. There's a fountain free. Tis for you, tis for me. There's a fountain that's open to all. And reminded, remind ourselves again is that there is a fountain that is free to you and to me. That fountain costs God his son on the cross. That fountain that is free to you and to me costs the son of God his life on that cross to shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And it's open for you and it's open for me because of the cost it was to God our creator. But it's free. He will come. If we come, he will receive. If he comes, he will give us that new life. But we have to be willing to believe who he is and believe what he's done and believe that we have an obligation out of love to be his child and to serve him all the days of our life. There's a fountain free. Tis for you, tis for me. It's open to all. If you have a need to respond to that invitation, if we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.